So this week's parsha is Parsha's Tetzaveh, and we're going to speak about something very interesting in the parsha, and then Amir Hashem, we're going to tie it into Purim, of course. So the Pasuk says in Parak Chavches Pasuk Lamed Dalet and Lamed Hey, Pamein Zahav Arimain, Pamein Zahav Arimain, on the Me'il of the Kayin Gadol, the Kayin Gadol had a special coat, it's called the Me'il, and on the bottom of the Me'il, along the hem, the bottom hem of the Me'il, was a Zahav, and a remain, a pamein zav and a remain, and a pam zam, pamein zav a remain, a uh, a golden bell, and then a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate, and these would intermittently run across the entire bottom hem of the meil saviv. Then the pasuk says vahayal aron l'sharis, and this meil was on aron to do his service. The Nishma Kailai Bavayai El Hakaidesh Lufneashem. And its voice should be heard, or his voice should be heard, as he's entering into the Kaidesh Lufneashem before Hashem Vilayamus. And that and he's not gonna die. This is the uh this is the Pasuk. So the Ramban says something very interesting on this. Uh, on this pasuk, he says that when it says "Vinishma Kailai Bavayel Akaidish Vayamus," that its voice, its sound, should be heard as he's coming into the holy place, and he won't die. Who al daiti beer lemitzvah hapamayin? What's the pasuk talking about? It's talking about the mitzvah of making these golden bells. Kitziva bahem baavur sheyishma kailai bakaidesh. HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded the Kayin Gadol to have these golden bells on his me'il. Why? What does it accomplish? Because that way, when he goes into the holy place and he goes into the Heichal, so he goes in front of his master, Ki'ilu birushos, as if he had, as if he's requesting permission. What does that mean? What it means to say is that when you go into some place that you need permission to go into, you should ask, right? You knock on a door. You don't just barge into somebody's living room or somebody's office. First, you knock and make sure that you have permission. So the Kayin Gadol also needed permission from Hashem to enter the Heichal, to enter the Beis HaMikdash, to enter the Kaddish HaKadot, not the Kaddish he didn't wear it in the Kaddish but in the Heichal and in the, in, the, in the different places that he was walking, he needed to ask permission. How did he ask permission? He didn't ask, you know, may I go in? But what he did was, he had the bells on him, and the bells would ring, and as the bells would ring, the bell says the Ramban, the Nishma Kailai, the sound, his sound was heard as he was going into the holy places, Ki'ilu Birushus, says the Ramban, that it's as if he was asking permission every single step of the way, every step that he took, he was asking, may I go here? May I enter? And that was the foundation, according to the Ramban, of these golden bells that were adorning the bottom of the mill.
Now, I had a a question on this Ramban. Maybe it's not such a big question, but I think it's an interesting question to pose. The Ramban seems to sound like we have no clue why we would wear golden bells, why a kind Gadol would wear golden bells on his meal. It's like it, nowhere in Shas does it talk about this. And the Ramban says, I think that the Pasuk is talking about the golden bells, and it's giving, he's giving us a reason why you need to sound these golden bells wherever you walk, because it's Kilo Bershus. The question that I had is that the, there's a Gemara in Zvachim on that Pechesim that says that Me'il Mechaper al Hara. The Me'il, the coat, is Mechaper on Lashon Hara. Every one of the eight garments of the Kain Gadol, and it's all, they're all detailed in that Gemara and Zvachim, whether it's the Tzitz, or whether it's the, uh, the, the Aphite, or whether it's the, the Mitznefes, or the, every Me'il that, he, that the Kain Gadol wears, everyone in the, the Shemayinah Begadim does something. One is atoning for chutzpah, one is atoning for Avedizara, one is atoning for Ivo Sadin, for, for, for judging wrongly. And it says that the Me'il was Mechaper for Lashonara, very plain and simple in the Gemara. And the Gemara says, Yavai Davar Shebekal, V'yechaper al Kol Hara, that let the sound of the bells come, something that makes a sound, i.e. the bells, and let it atone for the bad sound that we make with Lashonara. Our voices are very bad and, and destructive sounds that we, that we verbalize constantly. So let the bells sound in the Beis HaMikdash, in the Mishkan, and that will atone for our Lashon Hara. So why does the Ramban need this seemingly extraneous reason for asking permission every step that we take doesn't that seem like unnecessary after the Gemara itself, which the Ramban surely knew, right, says that, uh, that it's for, it's for, to be mechaper for Lashon Hara. That's the sound of the bells coming to, coming to eradicate the bad noise of Lashon Hara. So what I was thinking to say is that really the Ramban is explaining the Gemara. The Ramban is not arguing with the Gemara. the Gemara. The Ramban is not even giving an additional reason to the Gemara. The Ramban is, is sort of giving a commentary to the Gemara. Think about it this way. If, let's say, I have, um, I ask permission to, uh, you know, to daven Tashem. I ask permission, may I daven? May, may my lips open up and daven? So what should be, what should go through my mind? What are you asking permission to open up your lips to Davin? I mean, you open up your lips all day to speak Lashon Hara and Shekhar and Nivalpeh. You never ask permission before, only to Davin. This, in fact, is what the Yaristavash writes. It's not my, this is not my, you say the, the Yaristavash says that when you, he has a commentary on Shemana Esrei, Rabbi Anasin and he says that when, you say at the beginning of Shemayna Esrei, Hashem, Sfasai Tiftach, Ufi, Yagi Hashem, please open up my mouth so that my ma- so open up my lips so that my mouth can utter your praises. 
at that time, he says, any thinking person should really feel hypocritical by saying that. And that's the point. You should feel hypocritical by saying that. Why? Because you're asking permission to speak Hashem's praises. Of course you could speak Hashem's praises. But you're not asking permission to speak Lashon Hara. You're speaking, you're, think about what you're doing. You're asking permission to speak Hashem's praises. And what about everything else that we speak the whole day? That we do have permission to do? So when you think that, it's supposed to stop you from speaking Lashon Hara. Rabbi is saying, think about how, how ironic it is that you're asking permission to say words of praise to Hashem, which is a beautiful thing then certainly you should ask for permission to use your mouth for other things where you don't have permission. So what I was thinking is that maybe that's what the Ramban is saying. The Ramban is saying that let something that you need permission to do, meaning the, the bells are basically asking permission to do what? They are sounds of, of asking permission to Hashem that I should walk around your sanctuary, I should do the Avayda, I should speak out your praises. For that, I need to ask permission. If I need to ask permission for that, I certainly should need to ask permission to speak Lashon Hara, to use my, my mouth for something that's bad. And you don't have permission to do that. So, Mamela, it's, uh, it's what, I think that's what the Gemara means when it says, Yavai Davar Shebekal, let something that has a voice for a good thing, that you're asking permission every step that you're taking, that should be Mechaper for the Kail Hara, the bad voice, the bad sounds that you're making from your voice. Because logic dictates that if you need to ask permission for doing something holy and good, then certainly you should ask permission to do something bad, and you don't have permission to do that. And so that's, I think, what the Ramban might have meant. I just want to elaborate a little bit more on the Ramban in, in a few different directions. It's, such a, it's one of my favorite Rambans, and, uh, and I thought of something today that I wanted to share with you about it. The Ramban says that First of all, he says that, he continues and he says that the reason why you need to ask permission for, to go before the king, does anyone know a, a proof to this that maybe the Ramban might have, uh, might have marshaled? What, where do we find that there is a king that doesn't let somebody come before him without permission? Sound familiar? Well, very good. Achashverish, Haman's, uh, the Ramban says, a, the biggest riot to what I'm saying, that you need permission to come before the king, is like Avi said on Purim, Achashverish, the Megillah, it says that Esther was petrified because Esther said that I can't go before the king. Every man and woman knows that there's a special rule on the books. You're not allowed to appear before the king un, uninvited. And if you do, then you'll, you'll get killed unless he extends his scepter, his Sharvet Azov on you, and then you could live. But other than that, you get killed. That's the rule of Achashverosh. So he says, ah, says the Ramban, that's what we find that's a, that's a great source for me 
to marshal a proof to what I'm trying to say. Why do you need the bells on the bottom of the mill of the Kayim? Because it's, you can't just walk around in front of the king without being invited. So the bells are as if like the Kayim every step is asking permission, may I come before you? So just like by Ahasuerus, we find that he had this uh, this this hakpada. He was very makbid that no one comes before the king unless he's invited, unless he has rishos or she has rishos, and otherwise you get killed. So says the Ramban. You see that this is tachsisei amalchus. This is royal conduct that you can't come before Hashem unless you announce yourself, and that's exactly what the these bells on the bottom of the Kayin Gadol were doing. They were, they were asking permission to come before the king because you don't just go before the king. So listen to what I thought of today. I wanted to say a twist on the Ramban. The Ramban seems to be saying that the reason that Hashem in his Torah put the bells, said that the bells should be on the bottom of the coat, was because, like, look at what kings do. Like Ahasuerus, he had a special rule in the books that no one was allowed to come in before him unannounced, and if, if you do, you get killed. And so Hashem therefore said, ah, this must be what kings do, and therefore I also want that there should be bells on the bottom of the, of the coat of the Kain Gadol so that every step he comes, he comes announced, because that's royal behavior. I wanted to say a twist on that. I wanted to say maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's not that Hashem knew what Achashverosh was doing and therefore he did it with his bells. Achashverosh, we know, had possession of what? Of the big day Kayin Gadol. The Pasuk says in the, in the beginning of the Megillah that Laharis Kvaiti Feris Malchuse. He had the. What? What's the Lashon of the Pasuk? Kvod Malchuse. Um, so we learn from there, the Gemara Megillah says that we, we know from, it says over here, and it says also, and it says, and it says, and it says, by, 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 um, so it must be that he had the big day Kain Gadol. And he wore it by the Suda. He wore the big day Kain Gadol by his Suda. What I wanted to say was, and you can argue with me, Maybe Achashverosh was wearing the begadim of the Kain Gadol. He understood the Ramban, that the reason that Hashem commanded to put the bells on the bottom of the coat of the Kain Gadol was so that a person should not come before the king unannounced. Every step you take, you have to say, here I am. That's what the bells were doing. Achashverosh loved that shot of the Ramban, because it spoke to him, it means, aha, king has special powers. No one should come before the king unless he's properly, or she's properly asked to come before him. And, and if you don't, if you don't listen, then you're Chayiv Misa. So the, Ram, the, the Achashverish, possessing the coat, understanding the way it, it operates, he says, I'm going to make a rule on my books 
to echo the sound of the golden bells on the on the mill of the Kain Gadol. He became enamored by this pshat of the Ramban, and he said, I'm going to make a rule that that's going to be the rule of the land, that everybody should know that you don't come before Achashverosh unless you have permission to come before him. And if you don't listen, unless I put my scepter on you, you're dead. That was a rule that was put on the books. And this is obviously a very well-known rule because Esther says later in the Megillah that everybody knows Asher kol ish every man and woman that comes before him and that doesn't have invitation to come before him, then achas they get killed. Let's take it a step further. When they actually sent out what's called the Igris Harishon, it's the first letters. We know Achashverosh sent more than one letter, but the first letter that he sent out as king was a funny letter about how every woman has to give a lot of uh, respect to her husband. And the Gemara says everyone in, in all of the, the provinces of Achashverosh thought that he was a fool for sending out such a letter because every farmer, every, every shlob in, you know, is a, in his own house is a king. You don't have to tell people that, you know, that every man... But anyway, that's the rule that he sent out. Now, when he sent it out, Haman says to Achashverosh, because he was like egging on Achashverosh to send out this letter, because he had his own ulterior motives, but he said, V'nishma piskam ha-melech, that the, and it should be heard, the rule of the king, in all of your provinces, that this is true. Now, I want to say that perhaps, with that letter, was also sent out his gezera, that every man and woman must be announced before they come. Not just at home do they have to respect their husband, but you have to respect the king. Because if you look in the Balaturim, on this Pasuk of Nishma Kailai, Bevayala Kaidesh, that his sound is heard, Bevayala Kaidesh, that the Balaturim says, you know, there's another place that it says the word Venishma in Tanakh, Venishma Piskam Amelech. Before the letter went out, Venishma, that same word, Venishma, Venishma. So I was thinking it may be that 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 Venishma Piskama, that Venishma Kailbavela Kaidesh, this was the law that that Haman was alluding to, that not only not only is a man a woman have to respect her husband, but also no one is allowed to come before me. Because he learned that from the Ma'il. He learned that from the Ma'il. By the way, there is an interesting question that the Manis Halevi, the Manis Halevi was Reb Shleima Halevi al Kabitz, who wrote the Luchadaydi. He wrote a commentary on Megillus Esther called the Manis Halevi. It said that he sent it, and not said it, he, I think he writes it himself in his introduction. When he got engaged, he sent it to his future father-in-law as a as a shalach manis. This this commentary that he wrote, the manuscript for the commentary, he sent to his future shver as a gift for shalach. But it's a beautiful sefer. He asks a very interesting question. The manis alevi. He asks, why is it that at the beginning of the Megillah, when all of the when all of the um, all of the uh, elaborate um, luxuries 
that were uh, that were given by Achashverosh at his party. For example, it speaks about the wine, and it speaks, I think, about the food. It speaks about the curtains and the gold and the silver and and all of the beautiful things that were going on. There's one thing that it doesn't say. One thing was not included in all of the all of the 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 very fancy um, elaborate suit of Achashverosh, and that's music. Isn't music like a major part of a simcha? Like, uh, you know, imagine if you were invited to a, uh, you know, a fancy wedding at, uh, I don't know, the New York Hilton. And you go in and the food is delicious and the, uh, and the wine is, a, is superb and the, and the steaks are, are awesome and the smorg is out of, you know, and people are dressed really fancy. But there's no music. Wouldn't that be a little strange not to have music at a fancy wedding? It's like, it's part of the whole... So the part of the whole thing is to have music. You want to have a whole... I was at a chasna last week. I think last week's Wednesday night cheer, I was at a chasna. That chasna um, had more people in the band than people invited to the meal, literally. I told the chasna, my father, El Vashalm, used to say that you know sometimes there's more shaychtim than chickens. Some more shaychtim than chickens. That was sort of like what, what this chasna was like. There were more people playing music than people actually invited to this guy. The chasna was very connected in the music industry. So he had like 10 of the most popular um, music, you know, singers. And then he had literally, I don't know, 30 people maybe playing the French horn and the regular trumpet and this and that. Crazy amounts of people. And there was like four people at the chasna. It was a little funny. But, and, and I was giving my shir. So they didn't even have like a mezuman for benching. But anyway, um, so isn't it strange, asked the Manas Halevi, that there's no music playing at Achashverosh's party? It shouldn't that, that should be included. It should say there are beautiful uh, Mishayrim, there are people, Mizamrim, there are beautiful people playing music. It doesn't say that. It's an interesting question. There's a few different answers that are given. The Manas Halevi himself answers that music is such a powerful medium that Achashverosh didn't want the Jews to do tshuva. He wanted them to stay like sinning at his party and, and be completely uh, you know, consumed by the hedonism that was taking place there. He was afraid that if you would pl- have music playing, it would be ma'er them to do tshuva, it would inspire them to do tshuva. It's a, it's a longer and longer discussion, but that's what the Manas Alevi said. Another shot that I saw today, I think the Alshach says, that music is something that no two people have the same taste for. Meaning you might like rock and roll, and I might hate rock and roll. I like classical music and somebody else. So Achashverosh was trying to please everybody. Every palate had to be pleased. He gave wine custom tailored to each person's like and where they come from and the age that they live. So you can't play music because there's so many, especially about Achashverosh's party, has so many people from so many nationalities that it would just, it would throw so many people off and, and people would not be happy that he decided it would be better not to play any music. Anyway, what I was thinking, based on my thesis here, is that perhaps Achashverosh didn't want to play any music because he wanted that the only sound that should be heard throughout the party is the sound of the bells that he was wearing. Because he felt that it was such a strong lesson for the people and his rule and his governance and his malchus that everybody everybody needed to hear this. Everybody needed to hear this. Now you might ask, so what, how does that help with the Purim story? 
Like, what difference does it make that Achashverosh was enamored by, why did Hashem do it, that Hashem, that he should be, he took the big day Kuhn and Gadol, and he becomes enamored by this, this Ramban, and because of that, he makes a Gezeira, that nobody should come before him, and, and Esther is scared to death. Why would, Hash, why would this whole thing happen, you might ask? And what I want to say is that Hashem saved Klal Yisrael this way. Think about it. If not for the fact that Esther was so scared to go, what happened? Esther said, I can't go. You're telling me to go to before Achashverosh and plead for our people? I can't. I'm going to get killed. Unless he, unless he finds Chain in my eye, you know, I find Chain by him and, and, he, and, he, and he extends a scepter to me, but I'm going to be killed. So, uh, Mardachai gives her whole Musashmos, don't worry about it. You know, don't think you're going to escape anything. You got to do it. So she says, fine. Lech says, Kol Go gather Klal Yisrael, fast for me. Al Teichel Tishtu, don't eat or drink three days. We're also going to fast, me and my Chevra here. And, and then I'll go before the king. And hopefully things will work out well. What happened as a result of the fear that she had? She completely galvanized Klal Yisrael to do tshuva. That's what happened, right? These three days of Tainus made Klai Yisrael change. Until now, we were just like zombies following Achashverosh's way, having Tainus on Mardukai, forgetting us all killed and blaming, you know, the, all the wrong people. The only wake-up call that we had was when Esther was scared because she was going to be killed because of this gezeira that Paroi made. She was going to be afraid. She was, uh, and because of that, she riled up the troops and said, do tshuva. And she davened like crazy right before she was about to go into, into Achashverosh, like the Gemara says, Eli, Eli, Lama Zavtani. She had a whole tearful bakasha. She was petrified. And she says, Hashem, please save me and save Klal Yisrael, the whole capital Chafbez in Tehillim, she said. But all because of this Gezeira. This Gezeira that, that Achashverosh made, that nobody can come before me unless... Uh, or, and if they'd come before me without being invited or announced, then they're going to get killed. And they, he got this from the Me'il. That saved Klal Yisrael. That whole Gezeira saved Klal Yisrael. If not for that Gezeira, Esther would have just come before him. Maybe she would have liked him, maybe not. Maybe he would have killed her. Not. But because she said, I'm nervous, I can't go before him. Now, Klal Yisrael has to change and we have to make a tumul in Shemayim. That Tomo and Shemaim saved us. The reason why we're all here today in 2021 is because Achashverosh made that Gezeira against Klal Yisrael, against, against anyone that dares come before him without being announced. Let's look back in the Pasuk again. V'hoyal Aaron l'shares, this me'il should be on Aaron to serve. V'nishma k'aylai b'vayel ha'kaydesh, and his voice or its, its sound should be heard as he's coming before, in the holy, Vilayamas. You're not going to die. Now, it's a little, Rashi has to catch what that means, Vilayamas. Where is Vilayamas? I think what it means is that Hashem is, is being Miramis to us. Hashem is telling us, you know, Kla Yisrael, you were supposed to die. On Purim, there was a Gezeir, la Hashmid, everybody was supposed to die. The lo yamas, but I'm going to make sure that you don't die. You know how? I'm going to make a mitzvah that on the me'il there's going to be bells. Achashverosh, I know, is going to someday take the me'il and steal it. 
he's going to be enamored by the pshat of the Ramban that you can't, nobody can come before a king unless they're properly announced. As a result of that, Klai Yisrael is going to do tshuva so that Esther can come before him even though she wasn't properly announced. And because of that tshuva, Klai Yisrael survived Purim. Good pshat? I like it. It's a good pshat. I told it to a very big Tamukhachim today. He was going crazy for it. So now I'm telling it to a lot of other Tamukhachim. Just wanted to end with one Yisai that we, t- another Yisai that we take from the Ramban. Very, very important Musr that the Ramban is saying that wherever you go and whatever you do in life, you can't do it without permission. You can't do it without permission. What does that mean? I'll give you, I'll give you a story about Rabbi Shlomo Zaman Auerbach that happened to a very close friend of mine. My friend had a job. I actually took over the job from him the next Zaman in Yeshiva. But the job was basically that after Rabbi Shlomo Zaman finished giving his shir in Kol so that person would go over to Rabbi Shlomo Zaman to his desk as he was like uh, getting ready to go to Mincha, Rabbi Shlomo would give the keys to the boy, to his office. The boy would take his keys and, and also his his uh, his notebook, run to the office, the Rashiva's office, open up the door of the Rashiva's office with the keys, put his notebook down, get his hat, and then run back to the Rashiva, give him his hat as he was walking towards the base manager to Dava Mincha. That was basically the job. I had the job the next man after this boy had it. So one day, Rabbi Shalman Zalman was in Shir, and he uh, and at the end of Shir, he was trying to get the keys so that my friend could take it and run to the office. So he couldn't find his keys. His keys were not in his one pocket, in his other pocket, in his coat pocket. And he was getting a little nervous because, you know, I guess there was his house keys on and his office keys. And, you know, we get very nervous when we lose our keys, and understandably so. So my friend said to the Rashiva, you know, I'm, I'm going to see maybe the Rashiva left it in the office. The Rashiva says, okay, I don't know why I would do it. I never do that, but okay. So he runs to the other side of the building. He opens up the Rashiva's office. The door was open. And he looks on the Rashiva's desk. Wasn't on the desk. Looks on the desk, wasn't on the desk. Looks on the couch, wasn't on the couch. Nowhere to be seen. He sees that Rashiva Zalman's coat was was hanging on the on the coat rack, so he basically puts his hands into into Rashiva's pocket, into the coat pocket, and sure enough, the keys were there. His keys were there, so he's so happy. He runs back to Rashiva, slides on the marble floor, stops right before Rashiva Zalman, and he says, uh, uh, you know, in Hebrew, he says, "I found your keys, found the Rashiva's keys." Ah, Rashiva Zalman gave his signature a big smile. He says, tell me, where did you find them? He says, were they on the desk? He says, no, they weren't on the desk. He says, were they under? No, were they on the couch? No, a chair? No. Where were they? So my friend says, they were in the Rashiva's coat pocket. Rabbi Shalem Zaman's smile disappeared. His face like became red like a beet. And he says, tell me again where you found the keys? He says, I found it in the Rashiva's coat pocket. He says, he says, he says, let me understand. You took your hand, 
You took your hand and you put it inside my coat pocket. You took your hand. He says, maybe you took my wallet from there also. What did I give you permission to put your to put my your, your hand into my coat pocket? My friend said if he had a, a shovel, he would dig his grave right there. Right then and there, he was finished. That was it. And, the Rashi, and you, everyone knows, Rosh Hashanah was at Tzadik Yisraelim. He wasn't, this wasn't a normal conversation or anything that there, he was the, the warmest, sweetest man ever. But he, I guess for Chinuch, he, he wanted to be Machan. You don't do that. You don't put your hand inside my coat pocket. You just don't. I guess another example is, you know, you're invited somewhere for Shabbos and you go, you go to use the bathroom. Some people, they open up the medicine cabinet. They want to see what like type of medications these people are on or, you know, what, what are they, uh, you know, what, what, what ailments are, do they have? What, what vices might they have? I don't know. They, people do that, right? We know that. Uh, kids do it all the time. They go into other people's desks or into other people's lockers and they're snooping around. Today, there's a whole other way of doing it. There's like cyber snooping. You know, you go, I could look up people, how much uh, how much of a mortgage they still have left on their homes or how much money they owe to a credit card. Or I, I could find out a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot of stuff you could find out about. And the Ramban is saying, you have to be very careful in life. Wherever you go, whether it's walking into your house, you always have to knock before you go into a house or into a room. You knock. Because you don't know, maybe somebody's not dressed properly, maybe somebody's doing something that they'd rather you not see them do. So a lot of things that could be behind any closed door. You have to knock and wait for the person to say, come in. You can't just walk in unannounced. It's just not appropriate. But there's more things that are more subtle that we don't think about that are inappropriate, and that's doing things that are crossing boundaries that we're not allowed to go beyond. I'm not supposed to be looking at things that I'm not supposed to be looking at. I can't look at your personal at your personal things. Even if there is a Freedom of Information Act, maybe it's not appropriate that I'm snooping around in what's doing in your life and how much, uh, how much you owe or how much you own or how much uh, you paid for something. Or It's not my business. I'm not allowed to go into your medicine cabinet and look around. What's the Avera? Is there a technical avera for me looking into your medicine cabinet or opening up your briefcase or looking through your pocketbook or, or through your drawer? There's not, might not be a, a, I'm not stealing anything, but you're in violation of this Ramban. The Ramban says that wherever you go, wherever you go, every step that you take, it has to be birshos. You can't go into a place unless it's with permission. This world is not a Hefkerveld. It's not that I could go anywhere I want, wherever I want, on my terms. And everything that you do, everything that you do has to be with, with permission. If you have permission, great. If you don't have permission, then don't do it. Even if you, even if you think, well, but I really want to do this and I need to do this or I have a good cheshman to do it, you can't do it because so many times what's going to happen is that it's, it's just wrong. One of the basic human rights that we have in life is is the right to privacy. And you can't invade somebody else's privacy. You can't invade somebody else's space. And if somebody doesn't want you to look at, you know, at their phone, 
at their text messages, at their at their computer, at their laptop, at their files, at their, you know, whatever. There's so many different applications of this. But I think fundamentally the Ramban is telling us basic derech eretz, basic manners that we learn from the Kayan Gadol. We're all Kayanim Gedalim in a sense. And every step that we take in life has to always be Bershus. You don't walk past a line unless you know that you have permission. If you don't have permission, then don't go in. Sometimes, you know, you're at a, you're, I think we all do this. Sometimes, you know, you're, uh, you're invited to someone's house, let's say, and the door is closed. So you knock on the door, nobody answers. So what do you do? You, you open the door. Hello, is somebody, you know, I'm, I'm here. You don't do that. You're not allowed to do that. You can't open the door to somebody's house. You don't have permission to go in. You don't put your head in somebody else, somebody's house. You knock if they don't open, then go home or something. But don't, you can't open the door. It's not appropriate. You have children. You don't, you know, a lot of times we go through our children's stuff. Unless you're looking, unless you have reason to suspect that your children are on drugs and you need to like, you know, to, you know, to get involved, you're not supposed to be snooping around in your kids. There's a certain right that the, that even children have to privacy. That they should know that their drawer, their desk, their cubby, their 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 clo- their their closets are are sacred spaces that they have, and we don't have the right to go into them. Our wives' properties, our the husband's property, whatever. There's you know you can be married to somebody, and you know you don't have the right to to look through you know your wife's stuff. I, but we're married, we're partners. No, no, no. There's a certain, you don't look through her stuff, she doesn't look through your stuff. Unless she gives you permission to look through her pocketbook, you don't look through her pocketbook. Because, first of all, you don't want to see what's in there anyway. But besides for that, it's not appropriate. Whatever you do has to be birshos. And, you know, since I saw this Ramban many years ago, it really changed a lot of my behavior. Because it makes me think, like, every time that I go anywhere, or somebody else, you know, anywhere, if it's a house, if it's an office, if it's a, a car, you don't have permission to look through somebody's stuff. You don't, you're sitting in a car, somebody, you know, the driver left the car, you want to look what's in the glove compartment. Don't look, leave it alone, just stay away. It's not, you, you don't have the, don't touch things. Like Rosh Hashanah said, don't take your hand and put it into my coat. You can't go beyond the, uh, the 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 boundaries of the Torah and and that and life sets for you. And if you do that, you stay out of a lot of trouble. And also, it, it shows people that you're that you respect them, that you give them the royal treatment, as it were. You you make them feel special by knowing that you know what you what's yours is yours. I'm not I'm not I'm not looking at your stuff as sacred. It's not mine. And that's a basic right that every human being should feel that they have whether it's a marriage whether it's a parent-child relationship whether it's whether it's business colleagues or partners or or anything you have to always really respect the privacy of other people anyway everybody, i want to wish everybody a freilich and purim thank you so much for making this such a great year and i i get more out of it i know than you do but a freilich and purim a wonderful joyous Kishmaka Purim and a and a, a good Shabbos and Mitz Hashem. You should try to use all of the uh, all of the 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 iris of Purim and try to bring out the the true inner joy that Purim affords each and every one of us. Thank you very much.